0: That's to Weber State Weekly's football game day show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colby Peterson, and I've got with me one more time this season, former Weber State football coach, Tom up. Tom, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. I'm
1: doing good. I'll tell you what. I, I mean, there's only two things, two bad things that happened uh, that weren't very good on Saturday. And that was Southern Utah. And me and your picks, because our picks weren't very good either when we uh, <laughs> <laughs> fly around the sky. I'm glad nobody's keeping track of that because we would have been fired a long time ago in that
0: section. Yeah. We weren't very good. Well, so. I mean, I would say that there were some tough picks for sure. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we didn't we didn't do so well. Better that is that. what it is. Sticks are, yeah. are low. Sticks are low. <laughs> well, folks, on today's show, we're going to be uh, doing a game recap. We're going to get uh, Tom's takes on Weber State at Southern Utah. And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today's matchup. This will be the final game of the season for the Wildcats. It'll be senior day. And so they'll be taking on Northern Colorado at Stewart Stadium. Um, and then, we'll, like Tom noted, we'll take a fly around the sky and we'll be talking about I mean, it's rivalry weekend. So a couple of key matchups with playoff implications across the conference. And so we'll be talking a little bit about that. But before we get into that, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show. That's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Any of those are good places to find Weber State Weekly. We're also on social media. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Twitter is one of the best places to interact with us, especially on game day. And then we've got a blog or uh, we've got a Patreon. Before I get to that blog, we've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. We have a special Slack channel, a game day channel for our patrons and uh, with hoops getting going uh, we will be checking a lot ch- chatting a lot more hoops but we'll at least be in there at uh, this the end of this season to talk to the final game of the season against the bears so go to patreon.com slash weaver state weekly and become a patron and we'll add you to that slack channel and you can uh, get in on the on the chat and uh, get some of our spicy hot takes the stuff that's too hot for the public that's where it goes down all right, um, Tom, let's, let's start out with this game recap. Let's talk a little bit about Weber State at, uh, at Southern Utah. Um, I, I think that most people expected the Wildcats to come away with a dub. I think that I fully expected the Wildcats to come away with a dub. There's basically no pressure. Uh, the Wildcats were pe- playing for pride and to keep the streak alive against the T-Birds and send them out of the conference with a dub. This is the last beehive bowl on the schedule for now. We'll see if the ADs can make another happen in the near future. But um, 62 to nothing. <laughs> Tom, did you expect that? <laughs> I did not expect that at all
1: you know i i uh, I thought there'd be a little bit more fight on the southern Utah side of the ball, but you know one thing we did talk about that weaver state needed to do is to let southern Utah know that they couldn't play with play with us and to start fast and and put the hammer down. And I think that's exactly what happened. That's Jay got those our guys ready to play. And I think as soon as we started doing that and we started fast, I don't think Southern Utah had any hope and they were just kind of ready to be done with this thing. I mean, because we started so fast and we started so well that it was it was over quick, you know, and, and that's the one thing I we talked about is not letting Southern Utah hang around and there was no hanging around. I, they were hung out pretty darn fast. So I think that was kind of, that's kind of led to the 62 zip score.
0: Yeah. Like you said, I mean, first quarter didn't look crazy. Wildcats only scored 14 points, but then second quarter shows up. Wildcats score 31, go into the locker room up 45 or yeah. 45 to nothing. Right. So at, at that point it was just like, wow okay, this one's over <laughs> yeah. the way that the wildcat defense is playing right now. It just, it's just not going to happen for the T birds. Uh, yeah. And so, like you said, Tom, I mean, they set the tone early to let the, the birds know that they can't play with us. Uh, we're on a different level than they are right now. And you now that the proof's in the pudding, uh, yeah. Keep that... Go ahead, Tom.
1: Yeah. Credit goes to, you know, really when you, when before the game and going that week, you know, you you think, ah, you know, we're, we're rattled a little bit. We lost to Portland state, you know, and, and in Southern Utah, they're at home they got a chance, made it to, to beat us and and that type of thing. I think it says a lot about the culture. We were state football. You know, that our culture was better than Southern Utah's culture because, I mean, it was two different attitudes on that game on Saturday. And I I think that speaks a lot to the, the coaches, you know, and it's not so much, you know, what is said during the week. But it's your culture that really kicks in, you know. And those seniors that have gone through so much with our, uh, with the program and building the program, and, and that's part of the culture. And I think that's that was a big part of the game too, you know. Just the overall. Now nah, we ain't going down there to lose. We might have lost at home against Portland State, but man, we're gonna put a stop to this. So, I think there's a lot to be said to to the culture of Weaver State football, looking into the future, and that's still gonna pay off down the road uh, next year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that, you know, I I didn't doubt the coaching staff at Weber that they were going to make sure that guys were ready to go down for this game. I mean, this is a game that um, the Beehive Bowl is one where both sides usually get up, you know, no matter how low SUU has been or how high Weber State has been. uh, Both teams are ready. They they come to play. And I especially like the whole uh, uh, this is the second time we did this, the whole color rush thing. You know, the, the birds wore red. We wore purple. And, uh, you know, we just did the thing, did the color rush down there in Cedar city. It was the second time we did the same thing in the spring, but, um, yeah, good, good to see the Wildcats, um, win one and send the birds off into the whack with a, with an L and I don't know, we'll see if we can get another one of these sometime soon in the future. Yeah. Um, Tom, the story of the first half, like we said, going in at going at the half 45, nothing. I mean, the story of the first of the first half was really turnovers, Wildcats caused four, three picks on Justin Miller and then a fumble recovered. I mean, and then, and then I think that the, the key thing to that is not only did they get takeaways, they scored every time they got takeaways. And I mean, we've been kind of waiting for that kind of, um, that's, that's, I feel like that's old school wildcat football right there, taking the ball away and then capitalizing on it. That's how Jay Hill coached teams have had success in the recent past. I mean, what do you think helped them kind of break out last weekend and and get to Justin Miller, who is normally a a pretty good and level-headed quarterback? You know, I'd say the third best quarterback in the conference right now, but just an awful day for him.
1: Yeah, he was really, I was kind of concerned going into the game because I thought he did some good things against the University of Idaho when I watched him the week before, but You know, a lot can be said for playing fast. I mean, we were just playing fast, faster than they were. And, you know, we kind of had it dialed in with the interceptions. I know there's some tips and things like that, but a lot of times I I think the D-line doesn't get enough credit for, for those interceptions, right? Because I think, you know, they they're getting to that quarterback and he wants to hold on to it, but he's got to deliver it now. And then it's just not, not the right time to deliver it, but he's got to do it. And he's not thrown in, in a great spot. And it you know, his accuracy is not where it needs to be. You know, and that, that was another big part is just Southern Utah's quarterback, his accuracy was killing him. You know, it was, that thing was coming out everywhere and we kind of knew that a little bit, but you know, again, from watching the film from the week before, sometimes he was on, you know, he did a nice job delivering the ball. But that pressure, you start seeing that pressure coming from from all different spots and you start to hurry up your throws. And all of a sudden that thing's in the air and then you got some guys in the secondary can contract that thing. I mean, I think that's that was the whole story. It definitely was a team thing. It wasn't just the back end. I think it was the back end and the D end D line working together that created all those interceptions.
0: Yeah, I mean, D-line really, they really showed out in this one. Um, Key indicator of that, Wildcats held SUU to just 15 yards rushing net. I mean, absolutely just, you know, couldn't do anything on the ground. And then, like we noted, really couldn't do anything over the air either because three interceptions, uh, they were, I think there was a certain point of the game where Miller was just wary to throw the ball because he had made so many mistakes. And they brought in, you know, former Roy High product, Tyler Skidmore to come in and back him up for a little bit and say, "Okay, we're going to give the kids some reps because the game is just completely out of hand." Right. But um, I want to talk a little bit about the offense because I mean, like I said, 62 points—that was that was something. Uh, the largest explosion on offense I think we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the, the thing that I wanted to ask you, Tom, as a as as a guy who's had some experience in, on a coaching staff nearly every receiver had a long in double digits. So they had double digit yardage um, in at some point. And do you think that that was more like yards after catch where, you know, they were catching the ball and they were shaking defenders and finding ways to get to 10 or more yards? Or do you think that Baron having a little bit more time to let plays develop kind of and get that and get guys the ball in the, in the proper windows, that timing was a little bit better because he had less pressure in his face.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's that part of it, too, where he's able to set his feet and kind of kind of a little bit like the the Portland State quarterback last week where he was delivering the ball and giving the guys to catch and run. And I thought we were doing that uh, on Saturday, being able to catch and, and just not catching and just trying to catch and have to set our feet, but being able to catch on the run and being in a a position to turn it into positive yards. You know, I think one of the plays too is like the first long ball that we had, you know, coach hammer did a nice job because we jumped into a hurry up type of situation. And Rashid was on that one side and the safety never got over at all. And he's, you know, you can't, you can't, you got to give help when you're covering number 22, he, whoever's covering 22 needs help. And no one got over there to help over the top. And that was, that was the start of it all right there, you know? And I think that was, there was another long ball we had on that. And, and for whatever reason, I don't know why, but they thought they could run with him. They thought they could run with uh, Rashid because he had in that first half, he had two deep, deep catches. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some reason, they thought they could run with them and they couldn't. And maybe they were saying, yeah, well, he might get behind us a little bit, but he's still got to catch it and the quarterbacks got to deliver it. And and which we were able to do, Uh, you know, uh, um, not not all every time this year, we've been able to deliver on that long ball. But on Saturday, definitely we were able to get behind and deliver on the long ball. So I think there is I think there's a lot of things that happened. It was the long ball. But then again, the quarterback delivering the ball in a position to guys that could
0: catch and run. So, yeah, I mean, good point. Rashid Shahid with three catches on 125 yards on those three catches, two touchdowns. I mean just making him pay, you know, trying to trying to exploit that one-on-one opportunity, especially if the safety's not going to come over and help, um might as well throw it to your man and just let him work.
1: Yeah, I don't want to talk about him anymore because it's getting making me a little sad, man, as we last <laughs> time we see him on Saturday. Man, yeah. what a He's worth the tr- uh, price of admissions for kickoff returns and punt returns, man. So it's going to be hard next uh, year not seeing that guy out there. It was, he's been awesome 100%. to
0: watch. Yeah, I'm going to miss him. Yeah. Uh, Tom, let's talk a little bit about today's game. Uh, Northern Colorado, the Bears coming to Weber State. The Bears are uh, head coach Ed McCaffrey is in his first real season as a. Uh, you know, they they sort of flirted with the idea of playing in the spring, and then decided they weren't going to play in the spring, and so this is. Coach Ed McCaffrey's first run playing, uh, coaching at the college level, and uh, has not gone great for the Bears. Um, if, you know, and I think that's to be expected. You know, you got a new coach and getting their players in their system and kind of setting a system up. Uh, you know, happens even to the best of coaches. And so, Bears have really struggled. Um, and I, the first thing I want to talk about here with this matchup is the fact that since Northern Colorado has joined the conference, the Wildcats have only lost to them once. I mean, I mean that's ever. I think it's like nine, nine wins, one loss. So I don't know, Tom, like, what, what do you think is going to be the key to make sure that that, that win streak or that, that tradition of winning against the bears continues?
1: Well, I think we got to be ready to play and, you know, it being senior day, I, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen, but as the game goes along and if things start to happen and maybe things aren't happening uh, the way that they're supposed to be happening like a southern utah situation and and maybe maybe we run into a rough patch there um we just need to weather the storm and 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 fight through that you know i you know, maybe it's going to be Southern Utah part two on Saturday. Maybe not. But I think, you know, I think we'll be ready to play. But if things just start to go a little off schedule for us, we need to fight through that and, and battle through and just get back on track and not get rattled at all. So, you know, I'm sure the coaches will have everybody ready to play. But, you know, I think that's that's one of the biggest things, you know, as far as just a, just an attitude and making sure we're doing what we're
0: supposed to do. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, uh, with the SUV matchup, the fact that guys were ready to play, they were ready to go out there and win, uh, made a huge difference. Because there was a noticeable chasm between the way that the Wildcats came to play and the way that the Thunderbirds came to play. Right. Um, I wanted to point out also that um, with it being Senior Day and. Like I said, it looks very unlikely that the Wildcats will go to the playoffs. This is basically it for the season. So it's sort of like a game six of the World Series situation where it's like, we'll leave guys out there as long as they need to be out there because they ain't they ain't playing next week. This is right. it. This is, this is their, you know, for a lot of guys, this is the last time they're going to put on the pads. And so uh, we'll let them play to, as long as they need or want to because, you know, and so I think that, you know, leaving that leadership out there, um, as long as you can, uh, gives an opportunity to the Wildcats. You know, I know that Stewart stadium has not been the fortress that it's been in the past, but still having leadership and having senior guys out there who are playing for the last time and that, you know, and are probably playing with some emotion. Uh, I think that that's going to breed a lot of success for the Wildcats.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, and those guys, uh, it'll be an interesting, Interesting time for all those guys, right? When they finally step off that field, the amount of emotion those guys, you know, that will have, you know, even even being at Bonneville coaching and uh, at Weber State, man, those a lot of tears, man, a lot of sad tears, and, and guys are get pretty emotional and just realizing this is it, it's over, right? And especially with this group of guys that have done so much for the program, and you know. Era, all the uh, everybody in Jay Hills eras, you know, helped push the rock up the hill. One did something to help push it, the rock up the hill. So it's not just this senior class. They they've all been a part of it. And and you know, my hope is like this group. You know, I I. I've said this about three years ago when I saw a defense march off and they graduate. and go, Oh man, can it be a rebuilding year? We're losing a lot of great guys on defense. And the next year, same old thing, yep. pretty damn good on defense. So yeah, I hope, yep. Yep, I hope that these guys standing on the sideline and maybe they get the play in as the game goes along, they get out there and play and appreciate that and, and carry to, to uh, carry on the tradition, right? Yeah. Uh, the culture of Weber state football. I mean, that's, that's what we need to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause there's definitely, I mean, uh, a tradition of excellence on defense uh, in Ogden. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Defense has gotten the Wildcats to some really unprecedented levels in the program. Uh, so uh, I see no reason why that tradition wouldn't continue. Um, great coaches continue to find guys and develop guys into big contributors. So right. um, I want to talk a little bit about the bears and kind of where they're ranking in the conference right now. They have the the worst offense in the conference, like dead, dead last. And so Tom, I wanted to get your thoughts on how you think the defense kind of exploits an already, you know, not good offense. How do they make sure that they don't get any momentum, that they don't get any hope and sort of like what we talked about with SUU, let them know early that they can't play with us. Right.
1: Yeah, and I kind of noticed that when I watched the game um, this morning, the Montana, because they've had a week off, right? So they had a bye week. But just from watching Montana, you know, on defense of, against Northern Colorado's offense, you know, I'm just, man, they're trying to run, they're trying to run that football against that. Montana front and it's just they're not having any success and I'm and I'm just waiting for them to start trying to throw it around a little bit and and do some things and, and they weren't comfortable with that, you know, so that's one thing I see on them on offense is man they're just there's nothing that they can they do really really well at all to be honest with you you know they try to they try to get into empty you know and 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 have five wide receivers and throw it a little bit and they try to run it a little bit with some different uh, zone concepts and they run that little bubble pass on the outside you know they have the one receiver big tall kid six about six four Mm -hmm. that they throw deep to him a couple times against montana and he wasn't able he came up with one of them but the other one he wasn't able to so that might be an option for him right he's a big tall kid i think he's. Cassidy Woods I think his name is so he's he's kind of in the middle of the pack for receiving yards you know about 400 I think 450 so I'm you know as far as what we need to do I mean um the reason that we held Southern Utah to 15 yards rushing is cuz we're good we're good up front yes. we got good old down. and I'm interested to see how many all conference players we have from the D line uh, on that uh, big sky all conference team. But all we got to do is play man. Cause we are good up front, take care of your responsibilities, take care of your gaps. You don't have, we don't need to do anything extra. We don't need to go outside of what we are capable of doing and, and we'll be fine. So we don't need to take any risk. Just keep everything in front of you. You're uh, you know, we got 11 guys that I think can, Defeat the guy in front of them. So I don't see us having any problems. Just do your job, take care of your business. Because man for man on defense, we're good enough to, to win all those battles. All 11 of those battles, we can win all of them, you know? And, you know, it'd be interesting to see how we are in the back end, you know, because we had a lot of injuries and things like that. So, you know, who's coming back? What has uh, Northern Colorado seen on film that say, hey, this guy over here he's a he's a safety playing corner we might have a chance with this matchup so it's gonna be that would be the only thing It's how we in the back end um, this week with uh, with injuries and is there any situations that showed up on film last week where northern Colorado is going to be able to see something where they're going to take advantage but defensive front get pressure on the quarterback and you'll help the back end out a lot.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, quarterback play has been one of Northern Colorado's big struggles this season. I think it's probably why they currently rank dead last in the conference. It's just the quarterback play has not been there, um, which is really weird because if you look at some of their numbers, like they don't allow a ton of sacks. um, But man, they just don't. I don't know. Just maybe it's just maybe it's. The quarterback is slippery enough that he doesn't he gets away, but he also right. doesn't maybe have the understanding or the windows to make plays, and so it's just not working. Um, Tom, how do you think that I mean we talked about Northern Colorado's offense is bad? And so, how do you think that they try to find that success against Weaver's defense? You know, where where do you think that they try and poke some holes? Because right now, like you said, with the front seven, it sure doesn't look like it's going to be the run game. So they're going to try to throw the ball, but they've got to be wary because look what happened to Justin Miller last weekend.
1: Yeah, well, I think you got to you got to look at our secondary, see where there's some matchups. And now now you got to look at your quarterback. OK, yeah, there's this matchup here, but can our quarterback deliver that ball that we want to deliver? So you got to look at, at your quarterback if I'm Northern Colorado. OK our quarterback can do this, this, and this. And against, uh, Weaver state secondary, we can do this with our receivers and see if it can match up. You know, I don't, you know, I don't see them being able to run the football against us. I mean, they struggled against Montana. Right. Um, so again, we just, just need to keep everything in front of us and we'll, we'll be fine. But, like I said, they have the one receiver, big, tall kid, you know, might throw it up there, um, might have a
0: chance. So, um, we'll see what they come up with. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on the other side of the ball, the bears defense actually isn't half bad. I mean, in, in, most, most conference rankings, they're around like six, seven. So it's like they're kind of middle of the pack defense for the conference. Uh, it just seems like the, the thing that they struggle with is offensively. They've just been so, so terrible. Right. Um, and a statistic that kind of stood out to me was that they ranked fourth in the conference uh, for red zone defense. Um, but one thing that I think about is what we talked about last week where it's like, well, SUU was number one in the conference in red zone defense. And that sure didn't seem to matter last week mm-hmm. because they got trounced 62 to nothing. Right. So, I mean, do you think that the blueprint is similar for the wildcats today against the bears where it's like, listen, we just whooped the, the best red zone defense in the conference So what's number four? We don't care.
1: Right. Right. Um, You know, so for our offense, that's what we're talking about, right? Yeah. You know, going back and and watching, kind of looking at some things from the Montana game is, I don't think they're going to let us get behind them. You know, they, They were deep in Montana and everything that Montana did was in front. So I don't think they're going to let Rasheed get away from them. So that's one thing that I I see happening. Um, The other thing, just kind of going, circling back around and talking about their defense. You know, that game that they played against Montana, they go out on defense. And and let's talk about uh, their defensive end. He's got 10 sacks now. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's a talented kid too. Um, but so that first series against Montana, they get two sacks. Okay. Then they have a chance to get a third sack and they get so much pressure on the quarterback that they kind of get out of their, their lanes a little bit, but they have them dead to rights but they get out of their lanes and then he sprints for a 25 yard game. That was a third down. Right. So in that series, they had two sacks and then they had Montana in a third down situation. If they get that third sack, which they were right there, then they're out of the drive, right? Montana ends up scoring on that drive. So now it's seven, nothing, right? Colorado comes out, um, you know, they end up punting. They they didn't move the ball. And in that second series on defense, or sorry, um, Colorado comes out and throws a deep ball and it's a pick. Oh, wow. Second series, they come out and, and they, again, they get two more sacks and, and they get a stop. So they're, they are a good defense. Northern Colorado is a good defense. And I'll tell you what, um, Northern Colorado's offense goes out three and out and they go for a fake punt. Montana stuffs it. And now they had the ball in the 30. They go down and score. Now it's 14, nothing. So there's a couple of plays in there that Northern Colorado makes. They going in, they're going into halftime, maybe down Northern Colorado would be down about seven. So I'm just kind of trying to paint a picture. This Northern Colorado defense is, is pretty good. So we have to be ready for that. We struggled against good D lines. Right. And they have the uh, it's Hoag, right? David, David Hogue.
0: David Hogue, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, 10 sacks, so we've struggled against those type of guys, so we have to keep him intact. In um, I think what we have to do a good job of is, like I said, I don't think they're going to let anything get behind them, and there's going to be that space uh, between you know, where the linebackers is, that 10 yard space, 20 yards. I, need, I think we need to throw those balls, you know, your quick outs, your slants, you know, maybe uh, maybe some digs and things like that. I think that's the area to attack because they're so concerned about the deep ball. They just want to keep everything in front of them. So I think we need to do a good job with that, uh, attacking that. As far as uh, running the ball on offense, they do play a couple of different fronts. They play a front somewhat similar to Portland State. You know, so that gave us a little problem. So we need to be able to attack that, um, you know, making sure we're attacking the right way and having the right angles for our offense alignment, um, to do that. So, you know, those are some things that I would look for, for us to do on offense to, to attack them. Um, you know, I know we love to throw that long ball to Shahid and, and that's kind of a, a big explosive play for us. I don't know how many we're going to, how many we're going to get,
0: um, Well, no, I mean, it's it's a good point because I think that, you know, uh, there have been a a fair amount of success running the slant and, you know, finding guys open or finding guys in windows that they can catch it. And, you know, and maybe, you know, posts are are the way to go, you know, just sending guys up and just, you know, like you said, there could be a little bit of a soft middle there because teams know that the Wildcats like to run the ball. And they know that if they're going to have a chance, they got to stop the run. So they're going to load the box to some degree and they Mm -hmm. have to commit to keeping that run out, especially on, on like on the draw, because, you know, they got to watch the quarterback enough that they have to commit and it gives the receivers an opportunity to get in that soft middle. And so uh, I think you're right that, and like we talked about the Wildcats find success when they run the ball. Right. Um, But you're right that, on, on the other side, they've got to be able to make sure that they are keeping folks like David Hogan check, who leads the conference and tackles for loss. And he's yeah. near the top for sacks. I think he's like number three in sacks. And so right. what I'm worried about is them. Having somewhat of a VJ Malo situation where they know that he's a monster. They know that he can hurt you. And so they're going right. to commit guys to making sure that he doesn't. And by doing so, they overlook the other guys on the line. And then they end up having good days and wreaking havoc in the backfield because you've committed so many resources to trying to keep VJ Malo, or in this case, David Hogue, in check because you know what he could do and how he can hurt you. Yeah.
1: I mean, we definitely don't want to get on offense. We don't want to get off script, right? We don't want yeah. him to get the tacos for loss, and all your all of a sudden now you're sitting back here at you know second and thirteen. Yeah. You know, we don't want to do that. We want to be second and five. You know, it yeah. starts with the run game. I will tell you, who had some pretty good success and kind of going back, what I said about throwing some of that underneath stuff is the tight ends for Montana against Northern Colorado. All a little bit of success. I think the the one tight end had the second touchdown. So just a simple little drag route that he took for 20 yards. But, uh, you know, those guys had some success with that too.
0: Well, yeah. And I would say that, you know, Hayden Meacham uh, had a pretty good outing against SUU had some success. Didn't have a lot of yards, but had quite a few catches. I think he had what, like, let me check. I think he had like six catches or something like that in that game. And so, uh, oh, sorry, only three receptions for 13 yards, but just, you know, Good, good chunk yardage to make sure. And he also had two touchdowns, you know what I mean? And so it was just like good in those short yardage situations where you just need a little, like you said, a little drag route, a little something where it gets you five yards. Uh, That's all you need. And so.
1: And then then what kind of, what kind of percentage throw is that, right? It's a, it's a five to six yard play. So it's a high percentage throw. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes your quarterback's best friend to be able to have that type of guy catching those balls because it's an easy throw for him, gets his rhythm going. You know, I know everybody likes to see the deep ball. I know everyone likes to see it, but think about it this way. You know, you throw a five yard hitch to a tight end and that ball is high. And away or down low to the right or left, the tight end still has a chance to catch that ball, right? Because he's turned and he's facing the quarterback. So he has a chance to track that ball. You throw that deep ball. It's got to be on that outside shoulder, that receiver, that's a small little area to drop that ball in. And that's why it's not a high percentage throw. Right. So um, sometimes those five, six yard completions are nice because they are a high percentage throw and the beauty of them keeps the chains moving, right? Yeah. Keep the chains moving. That's always a good thing.
0: Yeah. And that'll be, I think the key for the Wildcats beating the bears. I mean, just got to make sure that the chains keep moving. Cause we know that the defense is stout, uh, but if the Wildcats are not able to have success against uh, the bears defense, which is like we noted is not half bad about middle of the conference. Um, good enough to hurt you. Um, it's going to be a long day and, you know, not, and I don't think that the Wildcats want to go out on, the 2021 season and on this senior day with an L. So you have to make sure the chains get going. So, and
1: I, and, and I think it's important too, for, you know, and Jay Hill was in this situation, right? Way, way back (laughs) long time ago when, when he's trying to win two games for the year or three games for the year, right. When he first started and it's a big deal it is a big deal when you're trying, when, when you're coach McCaffrey over there and you're trying to hang your hat on something positive for, to get some momentum going into the off season. This is a big deal for the, for the coaches for Northern Colorado. Hey, we went on the road and we won, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it sounds like it's a little thing, but it's a good little, you know, recruiting sales pitch hey we you know we took down we went on the road we did this and you know i'm interested to see what they can do if they're going to do a better job of having their guys ready complete uh, ready to play compared to what southern utah did you know because it's just those little when you're trying to, and, and and you know just like i said we're talking about northern colorado and maybe we're looking at them the same way people looked at weaver state the start of jay hills era You know, just you know, hey, let's get three, four wins, you know, and then next year four turns into six, and then six turns into nine. So you got to start somewhere. So I'll be interested to see what kind of mojo they come into the stadium with and with energy, and it it will say a lot to me about their about Northern Colorado's coaches and their future. Maybe not so much if they win the game, but just how they play. And we all know what happened to the Southern Utah coach, right? Yeah, Demario Warren is now out. That's it. Yeah. And he, he's done a great job there, man. And sometimes, yeah. you know, you're there that has long he... and... <laughs> Yeah, 2017. That's what he had. Yeah.
0: I don't yeah. think, he, I, I mean, I think you're being too kind. I think that he has, <laughs> has not done a good job there and that he had the 2017 season co-conference champions um, and then just getting absolutely waxed by the Wildcats in the second round. Um, that's his crowning achievement. That's what
1: it's. Yeah, but then you gotta look at his whole era with Coach Lamb and that's part of it too,
0: right? Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, but as soon Man. as you know Coach Lamb leaves, I mean it's it's a different team.
1: Yep. Yeah. But like I was, the thing I was gonna say is that sometimes when you're there that long, your message gets lost. You know what I mean? You just don't have that same message to the kids and you just can't motivate them anymore. And you just You know, and that's kind of what I read when he when they had the release in the paper. You know, he knew it was was over. It just he just lost the kids, man. And that's just how it happens sometimes.
0: Well, uh, Wildcats will be, you know, sort of looking to get their own dub heading into the offseason and bringing that good momentum through into the offseason to kind of get ready for. I think I haven't checked the schedule, but from what I've heard, 2022 is going to be a fairly Fairly rough schedule again, uh, Big Sky Conference, but the Wildcats have proven that like like 2019, they've been able to run the gauntlet and become conference championship, uh, become conference champions. So no reason why they shouldn't. So it should be a good good game today against the Bears. Uh, obviously, we hope the Wildcats get the dub and uh, send the seniors off with uh, send them off in the right way. Um, but looking forward to that. So now, Tom, I want to fly around the sky really quickly. Uh, Of course, it's rivalry weekend in in the Big Sky Conference, and so we've got some rivalry games. Uh, So I'm going to let you pick them. First one up is going to be Idaho at Idaho State. It was announced today that Coach... Paul Petrino will be out at Idaho after this game. He is going to coach in Pocatello, but this will be his final game as head coach of the Idaho Vandals. Uh, I, th- I think Rob Fennessy, who is also the head coach at Idaho State, is probably on his way out too. So this is an interesting game of a couple of coaches who very well could not have jobs. Well, we know for sure that Paul Petrino will be out, but Rob Fennessey may may well be out on Monday morning as well. This is the King Spud matchup. Who are you taking? I'm
1: going to take Idaho state just being at home and man, I wish I, I wish I would know the health of their quarterback if he's, he's back and, and things like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with Idaho
0: state. Yeah. I think, um, I think that Idaho state is on, I think they're on their third string. Vanderwall will not play. Um, uh, Hunter Hayes, I think is their second string. He will not play. So Gronauer is going to be the quarterback. Idaho State just lost to Cal Poly, who is arguably one of the worst teams in the conference. Um, Idaho State is bad. Idaho, surprisingly, has been plucky. And so that's why, actually, I'm going to take the Vandals in this one. Because I think that even though Paul Petrino has not done a great job, and uh, there were rumors at some point during the season that you know, he had lost the kids the way that you just talked about with Demario Warren down in southern Utah. Uh, that Paul Petrino was in the same boat, that, you know, people were just, you know, the guys just weren't fighting for him. I think that Idaho has more talent than Idaho State does. And I, I think they come out with the dub. Um, next one up. Uh, this is this is an interesting one because it has playoff implications here. Sac State taking the trip up the causeway to take on Davis. Uh, battle of the causeway. Both teams ranked. If Sac State gets the dub, they're um, undefeated and conference champions, depending on what happens in Missoula. Um, But Davis is going to have something to say about it. A lot of people have been critical of Sac State's schedule this year. Very, very soft. Um, Who are you taking in this one, Tom? I'm
1: going to take I'm going to take UC Davis just because when I was looking at northern Colorado, some things with northern Colorado and their defense and their offense. Sac state wasn't, wasn't shining through as like very high in the league in some areas. So that's why I'm going to take us UC Davis.
0: Yeah. I mean, Sac state uh, struggled on the road against Northern Colorado. Uh did get the uh-huh. dub, but um, really did not play well. Sac state struggled on the road against Dixie state earlier in the season. Um, I think that the, you know, the one thing that they have to hang their hat on is the fact that they went to Missoula this season and beat the Grizz at Wash Grizz. But that was a very beat up Grizz team. You know, that's not right. I think they got them. They got them on a a bad week because then the next week uh, they struggled against SUU as well. So I just think that um, I'm with you. I kind of, I kind of like Davis a little bit more in this uh, because it feels like Davis is playing up. They know that they, they need, they need this one. Uh, whereas Sac State, you know, maybe they don't quite have the edge, but I will say that, you know, Troy Taylor has been very good on the road. And uh, this is another road game, even though it's not terribly far from home. Right. It's right, right. still technically a road game. So uh, I don't know, but I, I, think, I, do, I think I'm do. I i think with you. I think I, I do like Davis a little bit better in this one, uh, but we'll see what shakes out. I think, uh, okay, next one up. Uh, this is going to be the damn cup. EWU is playing at Portland State uh, in Hillsborough. I don't know what, what do you got on this one?
1: Man, I still got visions of that quarterback, man. But really? they did lose. They did lose on the weekend, right? Because yeah, I dude. think I picked them
0: against Sack, was it? Yeah, they lost to Sack in yeah. Sacramento. Yeah. Man, I'm taking, I'm taking EWU, man. I'm taking Ewoo. <laughs> they ain't losing.
1: No,
0: they, they ain't no, they ain't losing. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, I,
1: I look at that quarterback from Eastern Washington, but man, they've been up and down, right?
0: They have been up and down, but I I think that, um, I think that Eric Berrier, you know, Portland state, of course they beat the Wildcats and that was a huge disappointment, but I, I just don't think, I don't think Portland state's going to have it against Eastern. Uh, Eastern has the offense to keep up with them in a way that the Wildcats did not. Right. Um, uh, that's why I think that like Eric Berrier shines, um, they they gonna take care of business, okay. You sold me, man. I'll go eat <laughs> <too. laughs> one, oh, Fair enough, man. Um, next game, NAU at Cal Poly, they're taking the Lumberjacks, taking the trip down to SLO, and um, taking on the, the Mustangs. Who you got in this one? NAU, yeah, I'm with you. And it, Cal Poly's still not there, NAU is. On the rise, they've been plucky, they've been annoying, they've won some games, they've lost a lot of games, but they've won some games. And uh Pauly just, you know, they just are still they're working through it, they're just not there yet either. No, and no. Then finally, man, this is this is the one. Everybody's watching this one this weekend. This is the big one. Brawl of the wild cat Grizz is gonna be in Missoula this year. Montana State taking on Montana. Uh it was a big push to get uh college game day there. It ended up not happening, but a lot of folks will be in Missoula for this one. Who you got, cats, I'm, take, or I'm taking, I'm taking uh, Montana State. I'm I taking, am with, with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, vegan has been very good. Uh, he's taking care of. Uh, we talked a little bit about this amongst uh, our fellow affiliates in the Big Sky Podcast Network in our group chat on Twitter about. The fact that Vegan has done a good job winning games that maybe Choate wouldn't have won just a couple of years ago. You know, Choate could always take care of business in the in the brawl. He always, you know, they called him the Grizz Slayer. He could always beat the Grizz when it mattered. But when it came to beating some of the other top teams in the conference, like Weber State, like Eastern Washington, uh, he just wasn't there. Uh, you know, Jay Hill always seemed to have his number. Vegan seems to be a different animal. Vegan has done what. Choate could not beating Weber state and Ogden beating Eastern Washington and Cheney. Um, and now going on the road and playing the Grizz in Missoula. Um, I, th- I think the cats got this one. I think that I don't, I don't think it's going to be a terribly high scoring game because both teams have great defenses and very mediocre offenses. But I think that the key factor is going to be uh, Isaiah Fonse. If Ivanse plays with the, energy and strength that we've seen from him going to be a long day for that Grizz defense because man, that, that dude is a mensch. Like he is a man.
1: Yeah. And I'm just kind of going back. I'm kind of going back. And like I said, I watched Montana play Northern Colorado and, and I'm looking at that first half and, you know, Northern Colorado makes a couple plays here and there, just like two, three simple plays on defense and has some form of an offense it goes in at half zero, zero, you know what I mean? So I, and I don't know the health of Montana from that Northern Colorado game to the NAU game now to this one. But like I said, I was not wowed with, with uh, Montana watching them against Northern color, Northern Colorado. And they had the quarterback Humphries was back in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and he made some, he did make some plays with his, uh, with his legs, but um, you know, uh, if Montana had problems blocking Hogue, then they're definitely going to have some problems
0: blocking Montana State's front seven. Yeah, Daniel Hardy and Troy Anderson are going to have a day. And, you know, we saw that live and in-person in Ogden, and they are a dynamic duo that can wreak some serious havoc, uh, especially against a very anemic offenses. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think that you're right, that the the Grizz are still a little bit banged up. I don't think Humphreys 100%, but um, Ifonce did end up going out, last week um against idaho uh, ended up getting injured and so we'll see how we'll see how up to the task he is going to be as well i don't know but i, I think montana state's got the edge vegan seems to be a different animal yeah they'll be rocking there man it's it's, gonna be, this is gonna uh, be a good one yep it's gonna I mean, be a good one you know that stadium gets rolling yeah it sure does yeah all right tom uh like we noted uh just one game left. Football at home versus Northern Colorado. It'll be at 1 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN plus one on the waiver. Just show up. Go to Stewart Stadium, man. Get up there and tailgate at 11 a.m. and then kicks at one. Uh go and send these seniors off in style. Make sure to get out there and cheer loud for them, tell your friends. Uh, because it's the last uh football game we're gonna be having for quite a while, uh, until spring ball and then beyond. Uh no football until August after this one. So make sure to get out there, enjoy it while you can. Um, might be a little cold. I don't know what the weather's gonna be like in Utah this weekend, but um doesn't matter. Get out there and support them all right we'll wrap this one up like we usually do weberstateweekly at gmail.com if you want to email us uh, we're on facebook instagram twitter and check out our patreon patreon.com slash become a patron get into our game day chat on slack and we've got a blog weberstateweekly.com um, still working on getting some stuff up there i uh, just been really busy but um, we've got some some recruit recruiting interviews that should be going up soon i uh, just got to schedule those so tom Thanks for taking some time and chatting game day with me this week, man, or, and this season really appreciate you being a part of this and helping us analyze the Wildcats and put together good content for the Wildcat fans, wherever they are.
1: Then it's been a fun run, man. It's been exciting to be talking
0: football again. Yeah. Can't wait to uh, chat more with you in the, in the spring when we get spring ball, but then also as we get toward training camp and, doing a little bit of preview and kind of see once we get depth charts coming out uh kind of how the team is going to look in 2022.
1: It'll be interesting. It'll yeah. be interesting.
0: So we'll wrap it up like we usually do Tom and I'll say Weaver state, Weaver state. Great. Great, great. Go Wildcats. <laughs>